Hello, everybody. Hey, this is Pastor Terry, and this evening I'm going to be concluding uh, my series that I've been doing uh, on Is It Okay for a Christian to Drink Alcohol? And, um, and so if you missed parts one and two of this series, I would encourage you to go back to our archives and and uh, listen to those two parts. I think it would be beneficial to you, and it would uh, help you to better uh, follow, I think, this evening what we're talking about. But with that said, let me do just a, a brief review. Um, of course, we're handling the, the subject, uh, is it okay for a Christian to drink alcohol? And, um, uh, of course, I pointed out, you know, the Bible is clear that drunkenness is a sin. Getting drunk is, is sin. And in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verse 9, it says that drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so we always need to remember that. And uh, there, remember, there's two schools of thought on, on Christians and alcohol. One school of thought is, is that Christians can drink alcohol in moderation as long as they stop short of getting drunk. And then the other view, of course, or the other school of thought is that Christians should abstain completely from drinking alcohol. And so those two, two schools of thought, we've, you know, I've been talking about those and, uh, in, in this series. And then I also brought out that there's, in scripture, there's two types of wine. Okay. The fruit of the vine or wine. There's two types. There's the, uh, unfermented or the non-intoxicating, non-alcoholic wine. And that is commended by God for us to drink. And, um, and then there is the fermented, the intoxicating or alcoholic kind of wine, strong drink, the Bible will call it. And that is condemned in scripture. And, uh, and then of course, Proverbs 2331, uh, I've been using that as kind of a key verse, uh, to show that the drinking of alcohol is, is condemned in scripture. Um, drinking wine that is fermented, um, uh, you know, that's, that's the scripture says we're not supposed to, to not even look on it, much less drink it. That was Proverbs 23 verse 31 says, look thou not upon wine when it's red, when it gives its color in the cup, when it moves itself aright. And that has to do with the fermentation process or, or when wine becomes alcoholic, we're not supposed to have anything to do with it. Um, and of course, uh, then I pointed out that, um, the Bible says that, uh, alcohol is not for kings or for priests. And if we're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says we're kings and priests. And so, um, when you put that all together, if alcohol is not for kings and priests and Christians are kings and priests, then, uh, uh Christians shouldn't be drinking alcohol. Uh, Again, I, I, I emphasize that, that um, the fruit of the vine in Scripture, wine, non-fermented, non-alcoholic, is commended in the Bible. And uh, so I talked a great deal about that, or I talked some about that. I uh, could have talked more about it, but, uh, but the Bible commends the drinking of, of wine as long as it's uh, uh, considered uh, new wine, wine that's not fermented, um, and the Bible commends that. It again condemns the drinking of the fermented, intoxicating kind of wine. Okay, uh, we talked about when Jesus turned the water to wine, that he he uh, 
did not turn it into wine that was intoxicating. Uh, he did not turn the water to wine. I mean, he turned the water to wine, but he didn't turn it into a, a wine that would cause people to get drunk on, okay? And I know there's debate on that, but as I've studied into it, and if you just, if you know Jesus, I mean, he's not going to turn something in, to turn water into something that's going to cause uh, the people there to have a big drunken fest. Now, uh, if you know anything about the Lord at all, you know he's not going to do that. But be that as it may, the, the wine, the water that he turned to wine, it was not an intoxicating wine. And I talked about that earlier on and then uh, talked about when Jesus was being accused of being a wine bibber. And of course, he was not. Uh, and I talked about that in the previous session. That right there, if you missed, I think it was last session, when they accused Jesus of being a wine bibber, it's worth going back to part two and listening to, to what I had to say about that. We looked at uh, the wine that was served at the Last Supper, that it was non-intoxicating wine. We talked about the wine that Jesus drank on the cross. Well, actually, I think right as they were crucifying him or just right as they arrived at, at Calvary, before they crucified him, they offered him, they offered him um, sour wine. And, and he would not drink it because that at that point, that, that particular drink that they were offering him was mingled with gall. It was a narcotic painkiller. And he did, would not drink that because he, he was going to bear uh, uh, all of the, the, the sin of mankind without any assistance from any painkiller. I talked about that in, a, in the last session, so I don't want to go through all of that again this evening. If you missed that, you can go back and listen to it. Um, but then later on, right near, I guess, as he right before he died, uh, he said that he was thirsty and they gave him sour wine. But this time it did not have that, that gall, that narcotic painkiller in it. And then he drank that. But that sour wine in both instances, the first instance it had narcotic painkiller in it. The second instance, it, 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 it did not. Uh, he wouldn't drink the first time. Again, because of the narcotic painkiller, he drank the second time. He did drink the sour wine, but it was it was not an intoxicating drink. Okay, so I went through all that last time. So that kind of brings you up to where we're at. So I gave you a little more review than what I intended to, but you know, repetition's the seed of learning, and and so uh, uh, it's good to, good to review, I suppose. So let's conclude this tonight. Let's uh, go to First Corinthians eleven, and let's look at uh, the communion service. Uh, well, you know, people think it was a communion service like what we have today, but they're in Corinth. Now, remember the, the, the church in Corinth, it was a uh, very, uh, it, it, well, let's just say that the, the, the Christians in the church were, were worldly, and Paul was working on them. The Holy Spirit through Paul was working on them. You know, they, they had gotten saved under Paul's ministry. He was continuing to work on them. And, uh, uh, you know, so that they would be conformed into the image of Christ when they first got saved. Um, you know, <laughs> this church is a very worldly, 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 carnal church. And, and they weren't growing up spiritually as fast as, as they should. And so Paul was working on them and trying to, to, you know, help them mature in the things of God. But in 1 Corinthians 11, it talks about... Uh, uh, in, in that chapter is talking about, you know, as, as they receive communion. But actually, let, let me just read this. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 20. Therefore, when you come together in one place, this is talking about gathering there at church, 
is it not to eat the Lord's Supper? Okay, so you're, you're coming together to have service and to eat the Lord's Supper. But then he says, for in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry, another is drunk. Now think about this. They're getting drunk at, at, at church. Now think about that. Now that's not good. That's, that's just not good. Not good at all. He says, what, don't you have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. Now, as I studied into this, here's what I found. Of course, when we think of communion, at least, you know, what, what I know anything about, what I've been around, you know, uh, since I've, you know, been serving the Lord from the time I was a little kid in the Baptist church and over the many years as I moved over into the charismatic uh, setting, um, you know, communion would be served at church, I don't know, every, once every six weeks or once a month, whatever it was. And, uh, you know, somewhere in the service, you know, the, you'll, you'll take a little cracker and, and a little, a little cup of, of grape juice and you'll eat the, the bread and, and drink the juice, symbolic of the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus. Okay. And so that's what I'm accustomed to. I've been to Catholic, you know, uh, I've never been to a Catholic church service, but I've been to Catholic funerals and they'll receive communion and all of that. And so we have that in our mentality about communion. But what, what I found here with the Corinthian church, what I found, and I'd encourage you to do some studying on your own to see what you come up with. But what they were doing is they were getting together here in, in this church in Corinth for what, what would be called a, a, an agape fest or a, or a love feast, an agape feast or fest or a love feast. And it was not a communion service like what I just described, you know, what, what, what I've been accustomed to where somewhere in the service you'll eat, you know, eat the, the bread and drink the juice, you know, a little cracker in the juice and so forth. Uh, but what they were doing was not like that. It wasn't a service like that. Now, Paul said that they should have been coming to eat the Lord's Supper, but what I found is apparently they were getting together and uh, they, they were having like what we would call a potluck dinner, that kind of a thing, where everyone would bring their own food and drink and so on and so forth. Now, again, it was supposed to be like the Last Supper, okay, like, you know, what Jesus served at the Last Supper, a communion service, you know, like that, or or more like what I suppose we're used to, you know, what I've just described. But they were getting together, having this this agape or love feast, and they would get together, they would have a a what we would consider a potluck and everybody would bring their own food and their own drink. Now, these were worldly people now. They were Christians. They, they received Jesus, all right, but they, they hadn't grown up spiritually yet. And so here they'd come and they'd have, you know, what we would consider a potluck type of a, of a dinner and they'd bring their own food and drink. And uh, now, again, it was supposed to be more reverent than what it was, but uh, 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 what would happen is, uh, you know, and, and at some point in the service, they were supposed to receive the bread and the non-fermented wine. You know, remember the, 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 the wine or the juice that's supposed to be served at communion is supposed to be non-fermented. You know, again, would God want fermented, alcoholic, intoxicating wine? Would, would he want that to represent the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? I, I think not. That's what they were supposed to be doing that, but what they were doing, they were having these potluck love feasts and they were getting together and, um, and, and 
and, and you can see in verse 22, they were supposed to be doing these, these, these like potluck feasts, you know, at home or outside this church setting, but they were getting together, bringing their own food, their own drink. And guess what was showing up? Uh, it, ferment, they were bringing fermented intoxicating wine. Now, this is from what I've studied out, what I've found. And, and they weren't supposed to be bringing that kind of wine. Okay. <laughs> that wasn't even supposed to be there. Okay. It was supposed to be unfermented, non-intoxicating, but they were bringing to these love feasts their own food and drink, and they were bringing the intoxicating wine. Shouldn't have been there. Shouldn't have been there as a rep, as a representing the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, but that's what they were bringing. And, uh, and because they had that fermented wine there, they got carried away and they were getting drunk at church. Should not ought to have been. And the apostle Paul wrote and said, this, this isn't good. You shouldn't be doing this. He said, you ought to be doing these things at home. Now, again, he wasn't telling them that they should be getting drunk at home. Now, he wasn't saying that. They weren't supposed to be getting drunk at all. They weren't supposed to be drinking this fermented, intoxicating wine at all, much less at church. But they, being carnal as they were, they were bringing this to church and they were overindulging on it and they were getting drunk. And Paul said, no, 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 it's not acceptable. And uh, but so that's from my study of it. All right. I'd encourage you to check me out on that. See if you see if you come up with what I come up if you study into this. But the reason I bring it up is because a lot of people will say, well, see, you know, at the communion meal, you're supposed to be serving the wine, wine that can you can get drunk on because look at the Corinthians. They got, they got drunk on the wine that was being served. Well, I think I just explained to you that the wine that's to be served at the communion meal is not supposed to be the intoxicating kind of wine. Again, the, the precious blood of Jesus should not be represented by that which, you know, is fermented that would make someone drunk, okay? And so anyway, but again, people will say, well, yeah, I want to repeat myself. They'll say, well, yeah, yeah, but, the, you know, they were getting drunk at the communion service in Corinth, so, you know, it's okay to serve intoxicating wine, you know, or or juice at the communion meal, and, and, and no, it isn't. And I think I've explained that really, really well. We've always used grape juice when we've uh, served communion, and, um, I, you know, I've drunk a lot of grape juice, Welch's grape juice over the years, and uh, I've never got drunk on it. And uh, that's what we use. And um, um, anyway, so I wanted to cover that just to just to uh, debunk this thinking that, well, you know, it's okay to, to, to use alcoholic type wine at the communion meals because they did in Corinth. Well, they did in Corinth, but they weren't supposed to. They were bringing it from their houses and they should have been bringing that kind of that kind of drink. Okay, well, that's my study on that. Now, here's something else. Let's talk about wine as it pertains to uh, bishops and deacons. Bishops, pastors, preachers, and then deacons. Deacons are those who serve in the church. Okay, so uh, this is something that comes up frequently when when the subject of alcohol is discussed, and uh, you know. Uh, wine as it pertains to preachers, pastors, you know, ministers, and then deacons, those who serve in the church, who wouldn't, nec deacons don't necessarily, they don't preach, but they serve in the church, okay? And so, First Timothy 3, let's go over there, 
the the apostle Paul writing to Timothy in verse 1, 1 Timothy 3, 1, he says, this is a faithful saying, if a man desires the position of a bishop or a pastor, a preacher, you know, he desires a good work. Okay, a bishop then must be blameless, a husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, and we could talk, I could talk hours on those, but we're on the subject of alcohol here. And then here it says, all right, so he must be uh, temperate, sober-minded, all of that. And then verse three, not given to wine. Not given to wine. And, and of course, this must be talking about the fermented alcoholic wine, uh, not the unfermented non-alcoholic wine because the non-fermented non-alcoholic wine, that's commended in the Bible to drink. That's fine. It doesn't make you drunk. And the Bible commends that, okay, uh, the drinking of that. But the fermented alcoholic wine, it, 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 we're not supposed to be drinking that as Christians. Right here, it says that the, the bishop, the pastor, the preacher should not be given to wine. And since it's okay to drink the non-alcoholic kind of wine, this must be talking about the alcoholic wine, the fermented wine. And it says not given to wine. Okay, so. Right there, we could stop right there and we could say, okay, well, the preacher, the pastor, the minister isn't supposed to be drinking um, the the fermented wine. Again, the unfermented, the non-fermented, non-alcoholic, that's fine. Commended in the Bible. This must be talking, obviously, about the fermented alcoholic wine. And it says here that the pastor, the bishop, must not be given to that. And so, right there, if we stop right there, I mean, it's pretty easy. You know, we're not supposed to be drinking the wine. Okay, the, the uh, fermented alcoholic wine. Okay, so everything's fine right there. But then what happens is, if you skip down to verse 8, it says, likewise, the deacons. Now, these are servants in the church, servers. Now, pastors are servants also. But the distinguishing thing here is, is that the pastor is given the ministry of the word of God, the preaching, teaching of the word. The deacons are not. One's not more important than the other. They're both equally important. But the deacons are not given the, the uh, uh, responsibility of the ministry of teaching the word. The bishops, the pastors, the ministers are. The deacons are just as important in some ways. Hey, I pastored now for 27 years. I'll tell you, these deacons are very important. Very, 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 very important. I love them dearly. If it wasn't for them doing what they're doing, I couldn't do what, I, what, I, what, I, what I've done and am doing. You see what I'm saying? So it's not a matter of one's more important than the other. It's just one's given the ministry of the word. The other is given the ministry of the other things around the church both important. But anyway, so if we stop with uh, verse three, it says that the preachers are not supposed to be given to wine. There's no problem there. You know, uh, you know, we're not supposed to be drinking the, the alcoholic wine. All right. But when we come to verse eight, it says, likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double tongued. I could talk a long time on that. But here's the, here's the thing. Here's where, the, here's where the problem comes in. Not given to much wine. Not greedy for money and so on, but here's there's the problem: not given to much wine. So, so what, what this just a, a quick reading here says: well, the, the pastors can't drink wine at all. And again, we're talking about the alcoholic kind of wine, right? Okay? Because the non-alcoholic is fine to drink. So we're talking about the alcoholic wine. So verse three says the preachers aren't to be given to to wine. So preachers aren't to be drinking wine. 
No problem there. I mean, that just goes right along with everything I've been teaching. But then, you know, we got a uh-oh moment here when we read verse 8. says that the deacons are not given to much wine. Not given to much wine, which, you know, quick reading of that would imply that it's okay for them to drink. Now, it's not okay for the pastors to drink, but it's okay for the deacons to drink as long as they don't drink much. I mean, and so, you know, you, you get some deacons that can get real happy there because they, they look at verse 8 and they say, oh, wow, wow, this is fantastic. You know, well, the pastor, he can't drink any, but I, I can drink uh, some as long as I don't drink much. And of course, as long as I don't get drunk. And so, all right, here's the thing. As you study into this, <clears throat> let me ask you, look at verse 3 and look at verse 8. As it pertains to wine, does it say anything about drinking wine? Do you see the word drink in there anywhere? Oh, you don't see the word drink in there anywhere, do you? Now look again, get your Bible out. 1 Timothy 3, 3. 1 Timothy 3, 8. Now get your Bible out. Look at, look for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Look for yourself. Do you see the word drink in there? Does it say not that the pastor should not, the bishop should not drink wine? And, and the, the deacons should not drink wine? much wine. It doesn't say drink, does it? It says given, given, okay? These verses have nothing to do with drinking wine, but rather given to wine. And again, we're talking about the alcoholic kind of wine here. It's not talking about drinking. It's not talking, it didn't say drink, did it? Okay. And you can't go back in the Greek and find these, this word given to imply drink at all. All right. You just can't. I encourage you to go see if you can find it. Given means drink. It doesn't. Given implies being near to or associating in an environment where these things are going on. Okay? Didn't say drink. It said given. That the bishops, preachers, pastors must not be given to wine, the alcoholic kind of wine, and the deacons must not be given too much of it. Given. Again, nothing to do with drinking, but given. Given implies being near or associating with an environment where, where there's alcoholic drink being served. Okay? It does not mean that we're, that we're not supposed to go around sinful environments. We're supposed to go around sinful environments. We're supposed to go where the sinners are and share Jesus with them. Remember I told you last session... There's a difference between going around where sinners are and being a light to them and loving on them. There's a difference between that and running with them, okay? All right? And so we're not supposed to run with them, you know, have those close association ties with them. You know, you understand the Bible's clear on that, but we're supposed to be lights to them and love them and go around them, but not run with them. And this is talking about uh, going into an atmosphere or being around atmospheres where alcoholic drink is being served. The bishops in verse 3, not given to it, okay? And uh, the uh, verse 8, the, the deacons not given to much of it. Now, as I've studied in, into this, and again, this is what I found. I can be wrong. I can miss it, but do your own study. Check it out and see. It It, 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 it has to do with Again, the frequenting, the frequenting of, of an environment where, where like an alcoholic drink would be being served. And what I see from these verses is that, uh, 
uh, a minister, a preacher, someone who is entrusted with the ministry of the word of God would need to be even more disciplined than the deacon. The deacon needs to be disciplined, but in this area here of being around an environment where where uh, there would be alcoholic beverage and whatnot, a pastor, a minister would need to be far more disciplined yet than uh, a deacon because in verse three, it says that a pastor, a preacher must not be given to, given to, associate with, be around an environment where these things are going on, alcoholic drinks being served, okay? And uh, again, it doesn't imply that we shouldn't go around sinners and love them and all of that, but just running in an environment, being around an environment where where alcoholic drink would be, uh, the deacons would have more leeway in that. I, I think it's clear that the bishop's not given to wine, the deacon's not given to much wine. Uh, the word given mean, means to be associated with an environment of, so a, a, a preacher, a pastor, a minister, a bishop, should not be around an environment where where uh, there would be alcoholic drink, you know, being served, that sort of thing. Uh, uh, the deacons are given more leeway in this. Um, you know, they're not in, as as important as they are. They're not entrusted with the ministry of the Word of God, um, and so I mean that's that's my study of it. Uh, you know, do your own study. See if you concur with what I'm saying and agree with it. Uh, I'm not saying I'm, you know, dogmatically that I'm right on this, but I, uh, I this is what I found through through my study. Uh, it has nothing to do with the drinking. So it's not saying, well, the pastors can't drink wine, but the deacons can drink a little bit as long as it's not much. It, it has to do with association of environment where a, a bishop, a pastor, a preacher would, would need to be more strict in where he or she would go over where a, a, a deacon would go. Not saying that it's okay for deacons to carouse around. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that a, a deacon would have a little more leeway, perhaps, in where they would go as opposed to a, a preacher. Um, all I can say is, ever since I've been a little kid, uh, I say a little kid, but a little kid, and, and certainly into my, te- yeah, absolutely into my teens, you know, in, into my, well, since I've been a little kid, I, I've, I've never had any peace on the inside going in, into, a, into a bar. And when I say a bar, I don't mean, you know, just a bar where all they do is serve alcohol, but I'm talking even a bar, like a, like a bar and grill, where you go in, you know, and uh, and 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 they're serving alcoholic drink, but but um, uh, you know you can get food there and all of that. I I'm just telling talking about me now. I'm not saying I'm better than anybody or anything like that. I'm just telling you since I've been a little kid. I mean now going into a bar where all they do is serve alcohol. I mean zero peace on that. I just have have never liked that. I, I just have never liked it. And, uh, uh, but even going into to a bar and a grill where they, where they, or a restaurant where they serve alcoholic drink, I'm just talking for myself here now. I've never had, I've never, I just have never felt peace about that. I just, I, I, I just, I just never have. And, uh, and, 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 uh, I, I suppose I, I'm lining up with this scripture and I didn't, didn't even realize it, but a, a minister, a preacher must not be given to an atmosphere where alcoholic beverage is being served, okay? And, and I'm not saying that, it, you know, 
if I had gone into one of those places and had a Diet Coke that I'd have been sinning or anything like that. But I'm just telling you that the Bible says that a minister is not supposed to be given to wine. I think it's clear that we're, as ministers, aren't supposed to be drinking the, uh, the, the alcoholic beverage. Okay, that's clear. But again, this is not talking about drinking. It's talking about associating with an atmosphere of, of that. As I've said, I, you know, I've never had peace going into, a, as I said, anywhere where they've served a strong drink. Um, I don't even like, I mean, there's a few times my wife and I, we've gone to a, to a restaurant and they didn't have seats available. Oh, they, they would say this. They'd say, well, if you want a table, it's going to be 45 minutes. But if you want to sit at the bar, we can get you a seat right now. And uh, I've never liked that. I've never liked... And I'm talking about a place where they are serving alcoholic drink. I mean, because we... I mean, it's hard to go to a restaurant where they don't serve some kind of alcoholic drink. But we've gone into some. Never have had too much peace with it, as I said. But there's been some times where we've gone in there... Well, if you want to wait an hour, we'll get you a table, but we can get you a seat at the bar right away. I, I don't like sitting there. I, 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 I'm not saying I'm better than anybody else. I, I don't like doing it. Now, we've done it a few times because I didn't want to wait an hour to eat, my wife and I. So we'd sit at the bar and we'd you know, drink the Diet Coke or the water or, or you know our milk in the dirty glass, as I said last week. But, you know, I just never have felt peace about being in those environments. And sitting in a bar, I just, I just never have. And, uh, and talking about this kind of an environment, I mean, I've never, since I've been a little kid, I've never had peace with, with going to, uh, to, 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 like at school, even in junior high. It started in junior high. Uh, I mean, the party, the parties we had in, in uh, elementary school. You know, my, I, I liked those. My mom would bring cupcakes, and you know, and all oh, that would be fun, but. You know, in junior high, I never really, I just, it started there. I just never, going to the dances and things like that, I just never, I never, uh, uh, and then in high school, I, I think I, I think it was in high school, might have been in junior high. I went, I went to a dance and, and, and I was going to go out on the floor and uh, just on the inside of me, I, and I'm not saying I'm better than anybody else, but just, I just, I just felt this, I, like I heard these words, don't go out there. And, uh, and, and then, and then that happened again when I was older, I, I, I wound up, I don't even know how I got at a dance, but people were out, Christians now, they were out dancing on, and, and I was, and, and it just, and my wife, I mean, and, and it just hurt, and she concurred with me, don't go out there on the, on the dance floor. Now, you know, you can say I'm being holier than thou and, and all of that. And I'm not saying that it's sinful to go out and dance. And one time my wife, I don't know, there, there was a Valentine banquet or something and we did go up and have a slow dance. I mean, I'm not putting hard and fast rules on it, but I'm just telling you that ministers are held to higher standards. And uh, I'm not trying to be legalistic. I'm not trying to say I'm better than anybody else. I'm just saying that Ministers shouldn't be given to certain things. Given, see, given to certain things. There's certain places we shouldn't go, certain things we shouldn't do. And, uh, and deacons have a little more leeway. So I, I, don't, I don't know if I've, I've helped you at all with that or not, but the bishops must not be given to wine or given to an atmosphere of it. The deacons have more leeway, but they ought to be you know, strict in their behavior also. Uh, they're just given a little more leeway than, than ministers. I, I hope that's helped you. Hey, uh, let's go to 1 Timothy 5, 
verse 23. Okay, oh my, I, time's slipping away. I gotta hurry. First uh, Timothy 5, 23. Uh, the apostle Paul told Timothy to, because this comes up oftentimes about Paul telling Timothy to drink a little wine. Well, in First Timothy 5, 23, Paul told him, he said, no longer drink only water, only underline the word only water, but use a little, of course, underline little wine for your stomach's sake and for your frequent infirmities. So apparently Timothy was a person who only drank water. Um, uh, I mean, he was a complete abstainer of wine. Now, obviously the alcoholic wine, but he didn't drink the wine that was commended even. He did. He only drank water. And if you study into the area, uh, and now this is from my study. I, you know, I, I guess I could miss study and miss something, but, but from my study, the books I read and whatnot said that the area in which he lived, that, that the water there could, could cause, uh, some stomach problems. And apparently he was having some. And so Paul told him, don't drink only water, but drink or use a little wine for your stomach's sake and for your frequent infirmities. Um, and you know, what I found is it's recorded in, in ancient writings that the non-fermented wine was used for such a medicinal purpose. So from my study of it, Paul wasn't telling him even to drink alcoholic fermented wine. He was telling him to drink the non-fermented because what I, what I found from my study is that that in, in, in this time period, you know, that, that when, when this was, was written, that they would use the non-fermented wine for a, for a medicinal purpose. So uh, you study into it, you see what you come up with. He certainly wasn't telling him to, to get drunk, was he? No, no, he wasn't. He said, hey, stop, stop drinking only water. He said, use a little wine. And apparently it was non-fermented wine. That's what I found uh, for your stomach's sake. But in either case, whether it was fermented or unfermented, I believe it was unfermented or non-alcoholic. But, you know, someone would say, what about taking, drinking fermented wine for, for your stomach's sake? I, I, I read some articles where they say that, you know, fermented wine can, can be good for your stomach. And, and so, you know, I guess I would leave it at this. If your doctor, if your doctor recommended or prescribed the drinking of uh, of some wine, you know, as a as a here it is as a medicinal purpose. I mean, you know, I I wouldn't see any sinfulness in there if the doctor said drink that for a little of it for. I mean, there's nothing wrong with drinking the non-fermented wine. The Bible commends it. And I think that's what Paul was telling Timothy to do from my study. But I know people will tell you and medical studies will say that drinking a little, I think it's red wine, is can be can be good for your stomach. Uh, you know, if your doctor prescribes it, you know, I'm not, who am I to say that that would be sinful? I'm not going to say that. That's between you and your doctor. And, um, and, and I'll leave it at that. I mean, you know, I don't want to be the kind of a preacher that said, well, you, you know, you take one sip of alcohol, you're going to hell. I, I don't, I'm not saying that. I'm just trying to give you an overview of what the Bible says generally about the Christian and alcohol. But if the doctor would tell you to drink it for your stomach's sake, then do so. But look, do what your doctor tells you to do, of course. But in this case with Timothy, it was being used as a medicinal purpose. And he said, only drink a little. And I think it was unfermented but even if it was fermented, it was for medicinal purposes and it was only a little, okay? 
I'll leave it at that. Now, uh, let's begin to close here. Uh, let's go to Proverbs 31, uh, verses 3 through 7. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified Classic Bible. And this was King Solomon writing. Hey, we studied on King Solomon last Sunday, lessons from his life. But he was writing here and he was, he was giving, uh, he was stating lessons that he had learned from his mother, Bathsheba, what she had taught him. And here in verse three, she said this and he's, he's quoting this and he's writing this. He's saying, give not, this is what she told him. Give not your strength to loose women, nor your ways to those who and that which ruin and destroy kings. So he's, she's telling him to stay out of bad environments. And then I read this verse earlier. It's not for kings, O Lemuel, or O Solomon. It's not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to desire strong drink. So we talked about that in session one. Lest they drink and forget the law and what it decrees and pervert the justice due any of the afflicted. Okay. Now, now here's the thing. I wanted to get to this verse. Now, here's what the Bible says. Give strong drink as medicine. Here it is again, medicinal, just like the 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 little wine up here with uh, in my notes up here in my notes, First uh, Timothy five twenty three. Just like giving a little wine to Timothy, it was a medicinal purpose. Here, the Bible is saying, give strong drink, and then the Amplified Classic brings it out as medicine. Give strong drink as medicine to him who is ready to pass away. See to who? To him who's ready to pass away, get ready to die, and wine to him. In bitter distress of heart. Well, it's talking about this person that's getting ready to pass away. Verse 7, let him, the one that's getting, keep it in context, the one that's getting ready to die, let him drink and forget his poverty and seriously remember his want and misery no more. It's talk, verses 6 and 7 are talking about a, a person that is on their deathbed or near their near death getting ready to die. You know, I say on their deathbed, but near death, getting ready to die. Give them strong drink as medicine, as medicine. Now, uh, you know as well as I do that when some people, when they, not all people have nice, calm deaths. Some people, it, it is a very, very uh, terrible thing. And they go through a lot of pain and anguish. And misery, and that's what verses six and seven are talking about—the person that's that's nearing death. And you know, in the day in which we live, and, and medically speaking, you know, they can give drugs to people who are who are in severe pain, who are uh, dying of you know terrible diseases, cancer, and different things that, that such terrible, terrible, terrible pain. They can give them things to ease that pain. And that's what the Bible is talking about here. Um, you know, back there then, to my knowledge, you know, they didn't have, what is it, morphine or what, what, whatever the different drugs are. I don't know all their names, but they didn't have the kind of medical advancements we had or we have today to give people stuff, you know, cancer patients that are nearing death or whatever uh, medicine to, to ease their pain as they die. But they did have the strong drink, and I, I, I believe that's what the, these two verses are talking about. It's not a matter of giving them a strong drink that, to get them drunk. Uh, drunkenness is not, uh, I don't see drunkenness as a part of this here. It's, it's, it's a merciful thing that's being done that God is allowing to be done to, to, uh, uh, to ease that person's 
pain and you know well that's what they did uh, we talked about it last week when they would crucify people remember that sour wine mingled with myrrh or gall Jesus wouldn't drink it but it was given to dull the senses and that's why Jesus wouldn't drink it he was to bear the sins of mankind without any assistance from from any narcotics but but they would give that to people as they were being crucified or dying to ease their their suffering their pain I'm surprised the Romans would even be that humane to do that but but they did and it was to ease the the pain and the suffering uh, some and and so that's what the these verses are are implying here to to do that to back in that day today we have drugs that 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 I think do a far better job even than this than alcohol would but but that's what this is implying that strong drink could be given to one as a medicinal who is getting ready to die who's near death in pain in anguish distress that sort of thing uh, uh, to assist in, in the death, uh, assist the pain that, that they're going through. It's a medicinal thing. Uh, and so that's my explanation on that. He's, you know, God's not condoning getting drunk before you die. That's not what this is all about. Okay. And if you have the right heart about you, I think you'll see that. Okay. Um, so let's conclude by saying this on this subject of Christians and alcohol, there are Christians who, now listen, there are Christians who are right on this subject, but wrong in heart. And there are Christians who are wrong on this subject, but right in heart. Now think about that. Christians who are right on the subject. What, what do you mean right on the subject? Well, according to my study of it, right on the subject is, is that we're not to be drinkers of alcohol. Okay? That would be right on the subject. But you can be right on that subject, but wrong in heart. And what I mean by that, you may never drink alcohol. But you might condemn to hell anybody who who takes a, a drinks a glass of wine or drinks a glass of beer. Who do you think you are to judge somebody? Who do I think I am to judge somebody that drinks a glass of wine or a glass a, a glass of beer? Okay, I mean, so we can be right on the subject, but wrong in heart when we beat people over the head for drinking a glass of wine or drinking, you know, a, a, a glass of beer or something like that. I do not think that drinking a glass of wine or a glass of beer or a glass of other alcohol will put one in hell, okay? Drunkenness is a sin that will put one in hell, but the drinking of a bottle of beer or a glass of wine, I don't condone it. I don't believe the Bible condones it, but I don't think that's going to put someone in hell. You know, uh, something I learned in Germany, they, they'll drink a glass of beer at dinner, much like I would drink a, a glass of Diet Coke. In Italy, they drink a glass of wine at dinner, much like I drink a Diet Coke, you know. And I don't want to, I don't want to be right on this on the Bible, Bible uh, as far. I I don't want to be right on the subject, you know. And I think right on the subject is that we're supposed to abstain from alcohol as Christians. I think that's right on the subject. But I don't want to be right on the subject and beat somebody over the head because they drink a glass of wine at dinner or or, or a, a bottle of beer at dinner, and they they don't get drunk. You, you know what I mean? They're just, they drink that like they, like in Italy or in Germany. You know, I'm not going to beat somebody over the head for that. I don't want to be right on the subject, but wrong in heart. You understand? And then there's others though that are wrong on the subject and, and, and they'll, Christians now, and they'll drink alcohol and they, they, they won't get drunk. They won't go to the point of drunkenness. I think they're wrong on the subject, but, uh, but, but they're right in heart. What I mean by that, they're not putting people down and beating people over the head you know, um, they, they would drink in moderation. They would drink where uh, they never would get drunk. But, so they're wrong on the subject, I believe. But they don't, they, they don't put others down. 
and they're not critical, so they would be right in heart. You know, um, I will say this. Christians, now listen carefully. Christians, especially preachers and other spiritual leaders in the church, must be careful about drinking in moderation around weak believers. Now listen, I don't think Christians ought to be drinking alcoholic beverages at all. I think I made that clear. But if a Christian is going to do that, and not drink to the point of drunkenness, but if they're going to drink in moderation and drink a, a beer here or there or wine here or there, or whatever, I'm talking the intoxicating stuff here on wine. If you're going to do it, now I don't recommend that you do. I think the Bible is against it. But if, if you do that, again, drinking a bottle of beer, a bottle of wine, I don't believe is going to put somebody in hell. But if you're going to do it, you need to be really careful. Really, really, listen to me. You need to be really careful that you don't, drink around weak, what the Bible calls weak believers. Um, if you're a preacher, people look up to you and, you know, most people are taught, just our society teaches, and it's getting less and less that way, but, but over the years when I was growing up that, you know, a preacher wasn't supposed to drink or smoke or those kinds of things. And I believe that a preacher shouldn't drink or smoke and all of that. Again, I don't think smoking will send you to hell. It just make you smell like you've been there. <laughs> you heard that. But we got to watch our example before others, you know. And I know in my life, I know my church members, if they saw me in at a restaurant and they saw me drinking a beer or they saw me drinking wine or they saw me smoking a cigarette, even though those things wouldn't send me to hell in and of themselves, you know, as long as I'm not getting drunk or whatnot, but it would hurt, it would hurt my church members that saw me doing it. And that's the, th and it would cause them to stumble. And that's the thing you got to watch. Okay. Um, like I said, last week or the week before I sat down one time with some preachers and, and there were some of them I looked up to, I still look up to them, but when, when they ordered beer, you know, I mean, it just, it, 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 it affected me. It, it, it did. Is it what, my goodness, what are they doing? You know? And, um, uh, you know, so we got to watch what we do in, in, in public. Now we ought to act in private like we do in public and vice versa and, and all of that. I'm not saying being secretive or covering things up. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying, if you're going to drink, if you're a preacher, especially or a Christian, a leader in your church or something like that, and people are looking up to you in our society for the most part, you know, preachers aren't supposed to drink, aren't supposed to smoke, those kinds of things. If you're going to do those things, even though they may not send you to hell, it can affect other people negatively. And you got to be watchful of that. Okay. And I tell you what, you know, your drinking of a beer, you know, may not, may not get you in trouble with God, the drinking of that beer, but the hurting of a fellow believer that's weak, maybe new in the faith or a new Christian, a baby Christian or are weak in the faith and they see you drinking that as a spiritual leader, whether you're a pastor or a deacon or whatever, but you're a leader in the church, and it affects them, God will get more upset uh, with you over that than the actual drinking of the, the bottle of beer itself. I'm convinced of that. And, you know, read 1 Corinthians, the 8th chapter, and read Romans, the 14th chapter. I was talking about eating things sacrificed to idols, you know, in the old or in the New Testament, you know, they would sacrifice things to idols. They did it in the Old Testament too. But they'd sacrifice food to idols. And then they'd, once the sacrifices was done, they'd take the meat and they'd sell it in the markets. And there was a big to-do about whether Christians should eat that meat. The Apostle Paul, I'm putting it in my own words, read those two chapters and it'll help you. He said there's nothing wrong with eating the meat. But if eating the meat is going to 
cause our brother to stumble, then we shouldn't do it, okay? And, and so we need to be real careful because, like I said, you know, if we drink a bottle of beer, that, that won't send us to hell in and of itself. But if a brother sees us do that, like I said, if a, one of my church members saw me drink a bottle of beer, a bottle of wine, or, or you know, a glass of wine, or whatever, if I think if I drank, if I drank a bottle of beer, I probably wouldn't be able to walk from here to the door there because I'm not used to it. I'd be stumbling all over the place. But I was, I tell you this, I was on a plane uh, flying to uh, uh, my wife. We were going to Las Vegas, but we weren't going there to gamble or nothing like that, but we were going to Las Vegas. And uh, and there was a guy, I was sitting in the end seat, there was a lady sitting next to me and this guy over at the, at the window. And, uh, and, and, and I mean, he started drinking and, and I, I mean, it seemed like one right after the other, I was passing it to the, the, to the, the real nice gal sitting next to me. I passed it to her, she passed it to him. And then it just kept going. I mean, just the, the fumes of that. <laughs> Finally, they had to cut him off. He was drinking too much. The stewardess said, "We can't serve you no more, sir." And I was getting a little tipsy just on fumes, you know. I'm joking a little bit there, but but anyway, the thing of it is, is that we got to watch our witness. So I would advise don't drink alcohol at all. Okay, but if you're a Christian, if you're gonna do it, be watchful who you do it around, because you don't want to cause your brother or sister who's weak in the faith or a new Christian to stumble. Okay, and I know if I did that. It, and people saw me, it would, it would, it, it would, it would cause, it would cause people, uh, it would cause them to stumble. It really would. So, and, uh, and, and again, for me, you know, the, the drinking of alcohol for me would be a sin, but, but a fellow believer who, you know, who d- doesn't have the same convictions as I do, they would drink a bot they could drink a bottle of of beer and it wouldn't be a sin for them necessarily. Although I do think drinking is, I think it's a sinful thing. I don't think the Bible teaches that we should do it. So anyway, I could go on and on and on and on and on. I, I hope I've made this, uh, I hope you've heard my heart in it. I made it clear. So just, hey, just just stay away from alcohol and I think you'll be in good shape. Okay. So I've done my best to, to handle this subject and uh, uh, I hope it's been a help to you in some way, shape, form, or fashion, okay? So, uh, 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 God bless you. Thanks for listening. And uh, um, let's, uh, let, let, let's just avoid, avoid alcohol. And, uh, and I'll, I'll close with this. The Bible says, I think it's in the book of Ephesians, Be not drunk on wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So, hey, we don't need the spirits of the beer bottle or the alcohol bottle or the whiskey bottle or the wine bottle. We don't need those spirits. We got the Holy Spirit. So let's, let's don't be filled with the alcohol that the, the, the world has to offer, the, you know, the alcohol, the intoxication. Let's don't be filled with that. Let's be filled with the Holy Spirit. What do you say? I tell you what, I've been filled on the Holy Spirit and I, I have a whole lot more fun than the drunk people. I guarantee you that. Okay. Hey, God bless you. And we'll see you next time. And I preached too long again, but hey, I hope it helped you. All right. Bye-bye.